0: Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series, powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast is sponsored by ScanSource. ScanSource wants to make it easy for their partners to find the right technologies to build complete solutions, close more deals, and even transition to the cloud. With the industry's most comprehensive selection of technology and a team that's second to none in the channel, VARs, agents, ISO, and ISVs can be assured they have access to the solutions that they need, the support and services they desire, and the tools to bring it all together. Whether your customers are in the restaurant, retail, healthcare, grocery industry, ScanSource delivers uniquely qualified, tailored, point of sale, barcode, mobile pay, mobile computing, and printing services to help you discover new opportunities and provide the total solutions they need. For more information, visit scansource.com forward slash discover opportunity. That's scansource.com forward slash discover opportunity. In this episode, we'll focus on self service and the changing consumer with two members of the RSP community. Frederick Carligran is the Vice President of Global Marketing for Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. Prior to joining Toshiba nine years ago, Frederick worked in marketing for IBM for eleven years. His recent presentation at retail now titled "The Changing Consumer: Self Service and the Bring It to Me Economy," helped spark this episode. Welcome, Frederick, Thanks for sharing your insights with the RSP community at the show and here today.
1: Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here.
0: Great. And for those not joining us on YouTube, those only listening on audio, you're missing out on the Toshiba Studios. Where are you, where are you coming from, uh, Frederick? Where are you broadcasting from?
1: Yeah, we are live here in our uh, Customer Innovation Center and studio in uh, the uh, North Carolina area. And uh, yeah, this is we're glad to be here and glad to leverage our space for these kind of conversations and more. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. Our second guest is a familiar name to avid listeners of this podcast because he joined us previously in episode 12. Blake Gillum is a general manager of DCR, a reseller based in Nashville. He started as DCR's director of marketing in 2010 before being named GM four years ago. Blake is active in the RSPA as a member of the RSPA Marketing Committee. Plus, he suggested to the RSPA for this year's Retail Now Community Give Back program to raise funds for the National Rescue Mission. And that we did, thanks to the community in general, thanks to the sponsorship of Intel and APG Cash Shore. RSPA recently donated $7,000 to the National Rescue Mission. Blake, thank you very much for that. Thanks to you and your coworker, Travis Hare, for the suggestion. And welcome back to the podcast.
2: Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Sure. Happy to happy to have you back and happy to help the Nashville Rescue Mission for sure. I uh, really appreciate you you suggesting that and the the community coming through. So okay, so we're gonna talk today again. The the topic of our discussion is self-service and the changing consumer. So Frederick, tell us about the report that Toshiba and Payments dot com produced. That's gonna be the foundation for today's discussion. Give us a little bit of overview of what that is.
1: Yeah, sure, Jim. Uh you know, the this has obviously been a very interesting time in many ways that we've gone through. And so last spring, uh, we really wanted to start to look at what's happening with consumers, right? What, what are the uh, changes and expectations that are coming out of or through this pandemic? And, and how is it really gonna change shopping behaviors, patterns, expectations, uh, which ones are permanent and which ones maybe not so much, right? So we really wanted to get a pulse of that uh, so we did partner up with Payments.com, we actually did two surveys, we did one back in the spring timeframe around uh, consumer engagement and what drives their purchase uh, patterns and behaviors and then we did a follow up uh, late summer specifically around in store and self service, uh, because we want to dig in a little bit more and understanding the role of self service in this overall changing uh, consumer expectations. So, uh, we did that. They're U.S. based surveys. Uh, the first one was just over 2,000 U.S. consumers. Uh, the one we did in the summer around self-service was about 2,600 U.S. consumers. Uh, so that's uh, that's a little bit about it. I think the you know one takeaway that's really interesting is that some of retail's best customers are essentially up for grabs, and I think that's both uh, a statement that should spark a little bit of um, uh, you know, that should that should spark something inside to say, well, what does that really mean, right? How, uh, how do I ensure that I put in place as a retailer the uh, technology solutions, expectations to really hold on to your most valued consumers? And uh, And what do we do as an industry going forward to ensure that we continue to live up to the expectations that are changing among the consumer shopping base? So we'll talk a little bit more about what that means today.
0: Yeah, the good news for VARs and ISVs are like, wow, everybody's up for grabs. And they're like, wait a second, my customers are up for grabs as well, right? You can go on offense and and you got to play defense. So Blake, give us a little bit of background. Tell us about DCR's experience with self-service technology, you know, besides as a consumer, right? How great do you see the demand and what types of merchants have been most receptive to it from your perspective?
2: uh so of course uh, we deploy self-service technology to primarily the independent grocers and restaurateurs across the southeast so we have a very specific region uh, with very specific demographics that we serve but uh so in restaurants we've primarily seen you know a huge demand for online ordering because of the pandemic uh the, you know table side ordering also kiosks in grocery uh it seems to be a lot of self-checkout little bit of online ordering in our area but uh, primarily self-checkout and uh, when they do go down the uh, online ordering route it's typically a uh, buy online pick up in store or curbside uh, not significant uh, demand for delivery just due to the cost but uh you know the huge increase over the last couple of years i think primarily changes in shopper behavior because of the pandemic they're looking for convenience speed and that safety and uh, you've also got a whole new generation coming up uh, gen z that has a tremendous amount of purchasing power that's getting more and more every year and uh you know the image of that business uh, you they they need this technology to keep that image and to address some of the issues uh that the pandemic has caused such as uh labor shortages
0: got it thank you and when you're doing installs uh, you know are you installing a couple self-service uh checkout or is it like i you know the walmart where i'm in i'm in northwest pennsylvania you know it converted before it had like 26 you know, lanes it like got rid of almost all of those except for two and converted. What are you doing? Are you adding on um, a little bit of self checkout? Are you just totally flipping uh, what some of these uh, independent grocers are doing?
2: Uh, so, again, in our area, we're not seeing a whole uh, flipping of uh, removing those manned lanes. What we're seeing is them trying to accommodate uh, a pot of four, six, or eight uh, self checkouts uh, simply because. Uh, a lot of our independent grocers, particularly the foundation of, you know, their existence is the customer service. And so they've kind of had to reframe uh, how they think of customer service. And, uh, you know, so pulling out those man lanes would alienate some of their customer base. And I don't think they're ready to do that just quite yet
0: got it yeah walmart might be ready to reap the the cost savings that they would have of of flipping all that but the independent grocers are going to be a little bit more focused uh on on their customer service tradition so all right so for our listeners and viewers for our conversation today what we're going to do is i'm going to ask frederick about some details from the changing consumer report um you know some of the things that jumped out to me he'll share his perspective then we'll get blake's perspective as a reseller who's tasked with advising merchants on these trends and then selling installing and servicing the related technology. So the first trend that we wanna talk about, it's a combination actually of two trends. So first, shoppers' need uh, needs transform more to digital during the pandemic, while at the same time, retailers are struggling to find and retain labor. So Frederick, first, do you see, does this mark a permanent shift to more self-service technology compared to where we were in, in pre-20 and 2021?
1: Yeah, that's a that's really one of the key questions that we had going into the survey. So, you know, I'll share what the data says uh, rather than than my own opinion. Um, The the overall, if you look at the landscape of the consumers, they said about 40 percent of the total consumer base shifted to become more digital or digital first, if you will. And 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 that's not strictly uh, a definition of I'm going to buy everything online. It's it's also a way of even how they engage stores, uh, self service plays into that. Uh, things like having better access to inventory information in stores. Well, you know, so there's several different examples, but it really means putting more content in the hands of consumers so they can determine how, when, and where they shop. Right. The. The question then of how permanent is that 90% of those digital shifters, as we call them, say that that is more or less permanent. Uh, they expect to continue to shop that way for the foreseeable future and that they're not going to go back to the way they used to shop. I, I know I feel that way uh, myself when I think about the patterns I have now versus what they were a uh, year and a half, two years ago. So that that's really part of it. Um, and. There's no question that safety, cleanliness, convenience, you know, is a key part of that. And uh, even if it means going back into the store, the consumers are really thinking differently about, uh, I'll go into the store, but I'd rather spend less time there. And that comes back to things like, well, do I know if they have the item in stock that I want? Do they have the options to check out in the way that I want? Self-service playing a role in terms of doing that yourself, uh, the perception that that's faster. So there, there's a lot of that change, and, and I do see it being permanent, uh, even from the retailer's perspective and you know how they're adapting to self-service it comes into what you were just talking about with the labor shortage, right? And the need to really look at how you optimize labor in the store to provide the most value to the the consumers. Uh, and I, so I, I think you're gonna see that. It becomes an interesting dynamic then when the, the pull from the consumer is sort of equal to the the push that a retailer may have to want to move um, you know in a certain direction and when those two line up, which they' they're kind of uniquely lining up at this point and uh, you know so, so that, that's what we're seeing in the information that we're getting from the report and, and the discussions that we have with retailers
0: as well. Great, thank you for that. So Blake, why don't you give us your take on this shift to self-service? What are you seeing when you're talking with your retailers about consuming uh, about consumers continuing to embrace digital technology?
2: So it's very similar to uh what frederick was saying i mean the, the shift was coming the pandemic simply accelerated its process you know uh, the pandemic gave consumers retailers restaurateurs all of them a chance to really sit back evaluate what they were doing and think about how they were going to do it differently uh so we saw you know we see shoppers today they're more familiar with technology than they've ever been they're more comfortable with it and they have different expectations you know they have information at their fingertip they're used to getting instant gratification and having that frictionless experience based on their shopping preferences is really something that they're coming to expect and i think that gave uh retailers restaurateurs and uh everyone i mean from travel every interaction you have with a customer has to change a little bit to meet those preferences uh, because it's becoming uh, something they expect, not just want anymore.
0: It's interesting you bring up travel, cause yeah, when you go to the airport, you know, for those who have been able to go in the last year and a half, You would almost be surprised if the uh, airline didn't have you go to a kiosk first that's now like a matter of course instead of getting in line you're you're trying to find your your spot at the kiosk so okay so you see the trend moving and one thing that kind of drives me crazy about when people look at trends is they overreact right the pendulum is swinging but people like overdo it you know i have somebody i remember who predicted in 2016 in 2026 there will be no more newspapers no more printed magazines everything's going to be digital now obviously newspapers and magazines have taken a huge hit, but it doesn't mean that everything is going to go that way. So I guess people do that the same from a retail standpoint, right? What we're talking about doesn't mean consumers have just flat out stopped going to stores. They might do more online, but that doesn't mean they shop exclusively online. So Frederick, what's your take on that? What does the report have to say about that?
1: There's no question that at the end of the day, uh, not only are there a variety of different consumers, it's not consumers, not a one thing, right? Uh, we broke it down. You look at by uh, family status, other demographics. Uh, we talked about generationally. Uh, th- there's there's a lot of nuance as to what consumers and when, what kind of shopping trip are they uh you know they going out for is it just picking up a few items or are they going to do their weekly shopping so you have to really break down and, and ultimately uh, understand your consumer base and who you're really targeting when you talk about making self-service options available right that's that's obviously really really important and i wanted to we did ask because we did want to see the other side of it so you know, why are consumers shopping online for example right and it shouldn't be much of a surprise selection, the ability to search and confirm to get the best price, uh, and then convenience, not having to leave your home, right? So it's though that's why people generally shop online. I think we can all relate to that. Um, so really turning it around and saying then well how do you how do you start to take some of that and apply it to where retail and the stores are going as well. You know, if you want to find Uh, selection, which was the number one item there, then how are you giving your uh, shoppers the opportunity to see what you have in stock in real time, how accurate is that, how available is that information, so that you're starting to take some of the capabilities that consumers really love about online shopping and bring them into into the store environment. I think we're going to continue to see that be a really important conversation for, for retailers moving forward. Um, and, you know, because at the end of the day, as you suggest, stores also have some very inherent advantages that consumers absolutely love, right? They, they love this idea of seeing uh, selection and merchandising, of being able to touch and feel the quality of the goods that, that they're looking at and, and want to purchase. Um, and then there's other factors like the immediacy, too, right? Of uh, I need dog food or cat food. Uh, this happened to me just last week, 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Uh, And, you know, I had to run to the store, right? So those are some other variables. So I think the more the store can kind of embrace their inherent value and differentiation while uh, continuing to add these other capabilities that consumers expect, uh, that's going to make for a very interesting uh, future and strengthen the store experience.
0: Great. And so uh, what are you seeing on the front, front lines of this, uh, Blake, in terms of when you're talking with your merchants, how are they responding to it? What data are they seeing? What guidance are you giving them in terms of in-store shopping habits versus online shopping habits and what they should do about it?
2: Uh, so, of course, we saw a huge upswing in online ordering, uh, bopus curbside, and delivery at the about midway through the pandemic, you know, I know we're still in it, but the, when everybody was really settling in, that hey, we may be in this for much longer than uh, we were hoping, and so you know, we had a lot of our retailers. They implement these solutions. Uh, they they start putting in the self checkouts. They're taking the you know measures for cleanliness and doing the wipe downs, and uh, you know everyone wanted it everyone was expecting it and if you wanted to keep your customer base uh, coming to you you had to give them those options again it's uh it's not just providing them that one way to shop you know it's either pick one or the other you know shut down all your lanes and go all self-service or go all you know have all your lanes and do no self-service those those that's just not an option anymore you have to give them choices uh so now what we're seeing now keep in mind you know we're in a very specific region with a very specific customer base but uh we're starting to see some of our grocers who embraced uh more the online ordering uh you know pickup service kind of thing they're kind of backing off of that now as the customers shopping behaviors are beginning to change you know they're with the labor shortage and all the other factors uh out there the small you know Three four lane mom and pop grocer has a really hard time justifying some of the labor demands uh, that having someone on staff to pick and to be available to go out. And, to, you know, they're, they're just trying to get someone at the back dock to, you know, accept DSD and, uh, you know, bring in orders. So uh, it, it, we, we've seen kind of a shift, but I do think, again, the moral of the story is uh, you can't just have one flavor. You got to give them options and different ways to shop.
0: Got it. And I'd say, you know, this is anecdotal, but um, I was in a Whole Foods north of Pittsburgh uh, this past weekend. And, you know, you bump into shoppers. I was bumping into so many folks who were there, you know, with their handheld loading up the paper bag, you know, for all the deliveries. And you go towards the front. They have all sorts of refrigerator space and all sorts of other space for that. That thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and also uh, i also ran into as a saturday I ran into cam hayward uh starting defensive lineman uh for the pittsburgh steelers and uh if that means anything to anybody and i can tell you what I size of people i'm like could i take that guy could not take him i'll tell you what that was a that was a big man a uh, big strong guy there and he was he was in the health section there. So he's eating right uh, in order to stay strong uh, for the dealer. So, all right, one more question before we take a quick uh, commercial break. So Frederick, when I watched your presentation uh, at, at retail, now I got to watch it actually on demand through the RSP Academy uh, Accelerate e-learning platform. So I was watching it, taking notes and really nodding for the first 15 minutes, right? Everything that lined up Yeah, everything you said really lined up with what I've been seeing and reading and hearing. But the first time that I paused and I was skeptical was there was a stat from Gartner that said, like by 2022, 85% of all customer service interactions will begin with self-service. And so that just made me think like, that seems really, really high. So can you explain maybe the data And the application behind that statistic again, it seemed to be a significant shift compared to where we are today, to where that study thought we were going to be. Again, that 85% number. What's what's the take? What's the explanation, please?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I um, when I was working for the preparation of that, uh, my team, you know, put that stat together, and I think I had a similar reaction to you, Jim. At first, it was like, wow, you know, 85%. Yeah, that really just puts into context uh, a much bigger set of, of much bigger view of self-service. That's not a, necessarily a shopping statistic as much as it is from an overall brand engagement and how you serve your customers. The idea okay. that the, that individual is gonna look for means that are self-service oriented to, uh, you know, contact the customer service center, get information about an order, uh, returns, you know, all throughout the entire process of how they engage. The, the when, where, and how they initiate that uh, engagement, right, is really gonna be on the terms of the individual. And so, you know, that's a broader statistic. I, when you mentioned the, the airports so just a little bit ago, I was kind of thinking about this statistic as well and, and how far we've come. I was a self-checkout uh, product manager many years ago. And, uh, you know, I remember conversations back then too, of, yeah, airport kiosks are starting to be put in place, hotel kiosks, right? and so. The general notion of this continuing evolution and expectation and comfort, I think, Blake, to your point earlier, of consumers using technology and they expect to have things at their fingertips that are easy and convenient to get information across the board. And uh, that's really what that uh, ties to.
0: Got it. Okay, so it's not every individual transaction, like you said. Travel, you know, the first thing I do is start searching these sites for different things. That's all self-oriented. You know, I'm not calling up a travel agent and they're they're running with it from there. So right. okay, well th- thank you for that. And Blake, before we take a commercial break, um, what's uh, how do you uh, what do you do when you hear that statistic? What do you do from as a general manager uh, of a VAR? Uh, what do you do organizationally? And what do you do from uh, conversing with your merchants? What actions have you taken based on that data?
2: well i think you have to have real serious looks at your product line your portfolio and also uh really keep your ear to the tracks and try to hear what are these customers wanting what are they expecting i mean uh, you know that pendulum swing yeah it's, it's absolutely happening um you know if you look at uh, even fuel um you know that's that has under uh, this has already happened there you know it went from full service stations to slowly now if they ask you to go in and pay for your gas it's like well that that's insane that's very inconvenient (laughs) so I think it's definitely coming you know we've got uh, some of our independent retailers who have uh, put in uh, just self-checkout have seen uh, between 45 to 50 percent of their customer base uh, adopting these machines and these are uh, retailers who I mean, for a long time, we're very resistant to this. This is, you know, my, my customer service and, you know, people shop with me because of the attention I give them. And so uh, I, I definitely see it swinging into that uh, 80, 85% world is what the shopper wants and you give people what they want if you want to stay in business.
0: Yeah. Interesting. You bring up the gas stations. I remember that uh, as a kid, right? You used to show up and ding, ding, right? You'd run over that and somebody would come out and help you. You'd have to wait for them. That was normal to us, completely gone. But maybe down the road is in terms of, you know, people used to go to a store and say, I wonder if they have it. Now you're able to check on your phone and check their inventory. Uh, before you do that so yeah very interesting i guess and another just a follow up to that blake is do you make sure that your merchants are ready from an online standpoint and make sure they've got you know as much on the channel as they can because that's what the consumer is going to do they're going to be looking to see what they have in stock and looking to see what they can do start the journey there so you have to do better than just training your cashiers uh is that accurate
2: absolutely absolutely it's really kind of uh you know we're there to be their technical advisor and really give them the information they need to look at where they want their operations to be one two three four five years down the road and uh let them know what we see happening in the industry what from a broader perspective and outside of just their customer base what's coming down the pipe that's why having uh, great partners uh you know in our vendors uh you know toshiba being an example bringing that information to us helps us bring that information down to our customer.
0: Great, thank you. Well, let's take a quick pause to let you know the RSPA has launched the next generation of education for the Retail IT Channel with RSPA Academy Accelerate. This online system offers continuous learning, training and development opportunities, anytime, anywhere from any device. Included are these courses, Retooling for Revitalization in Restaurants and Retail, The Blurring of the Lines Between Stores and Distribution Centers, Simplify and Streamline Payment Acceptance. For more information on RSPA Academy Accelerate, Visit learn.goRSPA.org. That's learn.goRSPA.org. Also, we want to say thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and Scansource. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at goRSPA.org. All right, Frederick, so I uh, want to get your take on this. Part of what was holding back self-service was the appearance by the retailers by the merchants that it was going to eliminate jobs but because there's such a labor shortage it's mostly been caused by the pandemic and lack of childcare and health situations and everything like that that seems to really open the door for realers to retailers to adopt self-service without getting any bad press from it right it's not they put in this system and now they're laying off these people right you're installing uh, and then you're able to you know serve your customers better with retaining your number of staff so Frederick do you see that as a factor accelerating the adoption of self-service technology is that too we said earlier the pandemic was an accelerant is the labor shortage sparked by the pandemic going to be accelerant for more self-service technology
1: yeah it's like a, an accelerator on top of an accelerator right it's um, it, it really is that that you know, perfect storm in a way uh, there's no question there's been that storyline you know, for a while related to self-service. But, you know, for in our experience, working with partners and customers, for the majority, there really is more of a conversation around labor optimization. But now when you put in the shortage uh, crisis that uh, that we're seeing, uh, of course, it's much more visible and obvious that self-service can help uh you know really participate in how a retailer can can kind of solve that or, or try to solve that equation um i think if you if you flip the question over to the consumers and you say what do you actually prefer right you're you're now seeing that shift too right you're seeing the the preference shift so in our survey around 25 percent of consumers say they use self-checkout on a regular basis but over 40% say that it would actually be their preferred method. So we, there was actually a gap uh, in the availability, right? Which is interesting, uh, and that's a huge opportunity for those listening. Is you know finding that gap because of the preference that um, you know you, we clearly see in the data for wanting self-service options. I fully agree with Blake. Ultimately, in almost the med- almost all cases it's a matter of choice but if the choice is not there that is uh, going to impact the the expectations that consumers have so I, I do think all that coming together i don't know if the whole um, i think retailers still need to be cognizant of the fact that there is this undercurrent of what is the labor implication i don't think they should anybody should dismiss that in communication and you know, how you really roll out these solutions, I think that needs to be accounted for and thought through in your particular situation. Uh, but clearly, there's a there's a lot of other variables in play now where I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be less of, uh, uh, of of an issue from a, from a PR standpoint.
0: Great, thank you for that. And Blake, I'm curious, when you're talking, when you're making the sale, talking to either current customers or prospects about selling them self-service technology, are you talking about labor optimization? Are you talking about filling in the gaps in their labor shortages, or is it both? How how do you have that conversation? What's most effective?
2: Uh, You know, right now, it's 100% without a doubt. uh, You know, getting something there that can help push their customer base a lot i mean there's there's a huge labor shortage no one's applying for their jobs uh those are you know those who do they no call no show in a in a couple weeks you know entry-level wages are are, were incredibly high in some regions which uh you know when you compete against uh, the unemployment uh what that was paying uh, that 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 was far beyond what they were offering for these entry-level cashier jobs and so you they weren't getting applicants um and so yeah they they they're really struggling especially some of these uh, retailers in some of these more rural communities where there's there's not a huge population of people to choose right you know you have to somehow attract the people in your community to come apply for this job and actually want to work it and it was a it was a real challenge for them and this was we heard this across the board so we saw a dramatic shift from their opinion that this technology reduces the customer experience because they're like, well, I don't have anybody to work. What kind of experience is that for my customer? And so now they're using the technology to augment that experience with their customers. And so uh, they, they're, they're letting that technology provide, uh, you know, the interaction that not only the customer wants, but it lets them use those limited resources they do have to really make those interactions the best they can be in the environment that they find themselves working in.
0: Got it, so it's now a multiplier. The technology is multiplying the effectiveness of their team as opposed to shrinking the size of their team. Am I hearing you correctly on that, Blake?
2: Absolutely, because uh, the size of their teams are shrinking uh, due to external factors, uh, at least in our area, fairly quickly, so.
0: Yeah, and I can, uh, just as a, a backdrop, I can say coast to coast throughout the United States, north to south, all the way up through Canada, this, you know, there is a labor shortage in every single walk of life, high paying jobs, right? Low paying jobs, city, rural. And people are talking about, yeah, there are unemployment benefits. There's lack of childcare. There's people who uh, don't wanna do customer engagement anymore, right? They'd rather go work in a warehouse for an Amazon or a Walmart or something like that and get better pay and not have to deal with with everything that's going on there. There's of course a lot of illness out there as well, right? A lot of families uh, have been certainly upended. So a lot of different factors in there, but it sounds like technology can certainly be a, a help uh, to these merchants and, and to their associates. So, all right, moving on to another trend in the survey. So, Frederick, one thing that was cited in there, it would said that over 80% of millennials and Gen Z and bridge millennials, they prefer self-checkout. I just have to note, I don't fit into any of those categories uh, at all. I was just on a, a conference call earlier today with a couple of coworkers, and they talked about a corner. And I said, nobody puts baby in a corner. And I'm like, don't you guys know that reference? And they're like, no, it's like, it's Dirty Dancing. That movie was, ooh. 1987. Oh my gosh. Like you guys were toddlers uh, back at that point. So I understand I don't fit into any of those things. And so do a lot of VARs don't fit into that, um, you know, area as well. They're over 50 uh, like me. So just because, you know, I might not prefer self-checkout or those VARs don't prefer self-checkout, that doesn't reflect the general trend. So would you say that's accurate, Mm -hmm. Frederick? And so um, that these VAR executives have to say not just what fits for me, but really understand where the trend is heading for what's continuing to be the grower consumer base of these younger generations.
1: Yeah, there's no question that the the younger generations have a uh, a profinity and a a real desire to use self-service and and have that be the primary way in which they engage. And I'm gonna look just so I don't get some of my stats wrong. Uh, yeah, 78% of Bridge Millennials use self-service to avoid long lines. 80% you know view it as faster from a Millennial's perspective. Uh, Gen Z, uh, 86% prefer self-service, and uh, 36% of that is due to privacy. You know, this uh, look, I got certain goods I don't necessarily want anybody else to to see what I have. Uh, but faster, uh, seeing the price of every item, wanting to bag things. Um, yourself, right? Privacy. Those are some of the top reasons. And interestingly enough, though, some of those are not unique to just the younger generations. Uh, even baby boomers, etc. If you look at their preference for self-service, you're going to see some of those same things. Uh, you're going to see privacy. You're going to see bagging. You're going to see price and wanting to to have control and understanding what you know the basket size and, and cost of items is making sure that it's the right price. So you're you're gonna see some of the same reasons, even if maybe the total skew towards preference is not as high for self-service. A lot of the reasons are. Uh, So I think that's quite uh, quite interesting. And um, that's uh, that's what some of the data shows us.
0: Yeah, you gotta understand what's around the corner, not just what your personal experience has been or, or what you've experienced. So before I turn it over to Blake, Frederick, did you get my nobody puts baby in a corner? reference there did you
1: i'm not that young yeah i got you
0: <laughs> okay good and blake did you get it did you know what I, movie that was from
1: i did get it uh, but okay.
0: definitely
2: falling that under 50 crowd though so.
0: good yeah okay so then well thank you first it's, it's good to know <laughs> Good, because I have to watch myself and make sure my references aren't missing like every everybody I'm talking to as the, as the years go by. So um, I'm going to make a reference to the 1927 Yankees. People are going to be like, well, who are they uh, moving on 100 years for for that team? So, so, Blake, again, you mentioned you're not an over 50 VAR executive, uh, clearly under 50. What's your take as someone who doesn't fit into that category of over 50 as a VAR executive? How are you approaching this um, in order to make sure you're keeping up with what's around the corner?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, Frederick said it right. You got to look outside of your personal preferences. You got to look at the data and you got to listen to your customers and build solutions to meet their needs. Uh, You know, I I get it. I prefer self-checkout many for the reasons uh, Frederick had said. I I like setting my own pace. It it feels faster. It's probably not. I know I don't, you know, scan those items as quick as a as a cashier would, but uh, it it makes me feel like the pace is moving uh, quicker. And I like to make sure that my items are ringing up correctly. So, you know, I can, uh, you know, I don't have to go wait over at the customer service line after I get my receipt to queue up again and and, and get something fixed. Uh, but I think, you know, it's real easy as a uh, as a VAR, as an ISV, uh, as any solution provider to fall into the trap of trying to develop solutions that, you know, your clients and customer base need. You know, they need it. Your, if your opinion they need it, then you have to go out there and sell them on why they need it as opposed to developing solutions uh based on the data based on what they're telling you based on what they're already telling you they want craft a solution for that in the cells much easier so that's kind of the approach we try to take is to step outside of what we prefer and build what people are asking for
0: yeah don't fight gravity go along with gravity go ahead frederick yeah, just wanted
1: to to follow up. Another thought I had there is, of course, you know, as vendors, solution providers, and and ours, right? We, we got to continue to also look at how we make this easier from a consumer experience perspective, right? That that's on us and we're continuing to innovate and find those different ways to leverage new technologies, right? So, you know, we're whether it's computer vision and, uh, for example, one of the key inhibitors to speed and also therefore to not use self-checkout is often produce, right? That's cited in the survey as well. Well, if I got a lot of produce, you know, I'm going to be more hesitant with some of the things we're doing now with computer vision. We're taking every produce item and cutting that time in half and making it much more intuitive. So we have to continue to evolve how we deploy this and look at the voice of customer or voice of consumer. And really have that drive where we go. And I think we're just going to continue to find new ways to address the pain points as well as uh, really accelerate the reasons why people already love self-service.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad to bring that up. Whenever my wife were in the store and she says, get bananas, I get the bananas, put them in a bag and I go over and punch in the code. To put the label on them. Well, she doesn't do that. She just goes to the self-checkout and you start typing in what the produce is, B A N, and then it gives up all the options and you just quickly press it. I'm like, well, that's far more convenient than me going like, is it 4011? Like, am I typing this in correctly? So yeah, the the uh, the technology is certainly making it a lot easier for people to, to embrace self-service. I'll I'll catch up eventually, uh, I'm sure. So all right, a couple more questions. So Frederick, you also noted in your retail now presentation, you said self-service is more than checking out. So what do you mean by that? What are the other opportunities in what you call the bring it to me economy that maybe we haven't touched on yet?
1: Yeah, glad you brought that up. The, the bring it to me economy, you know, we touched on a little bit before and, and Blake mentioned things like curbside, buy pickup line, pick up in store. Uh, you know, those are you know, journeys and experiences that consumers have become familiar with. Although, you know, interestingly on those, we, the data that we uh, got through the survey shows that the, the buy online pickup in-store actually was probably the least preferred. Uh, I think the interpretation of that data being, if I've already decided I'm gonna buy it online, then, then don't make me go into the store. I'd rather do curbside or delivery, right? So I think consumers are still trying to figure that out a little bit of, of when exactly they wanna have you know, uh, a certain experience. Um, but you know there are other things on the horizon that I think we have to keep an eye on as, as an industry, right? Which is um, not just delivery but subscriptions, right? Renewals for certain items. I think we probably all do that to some degree for things that we know we have a certain volume or or usage on in a given uh, month or week. Um, so those are other examples of what customers are really looking at. Um, the, the key, I think, for us and for our clients is to make sure that we drive value for the retailers in terms of how they deliver that, uh, because consumers are ultimately going to look for and find what's the easiest access for me to get this. And, you know, in some cases that could be direct to manufacturer, right? And so that value add that retailers bring in the overall shopping experience and journey is uh, is something that, uh, you know, we'll be working very closely on and and following the consumer's needs and expectations around.
0: Got it. Yeah. Focusing on the entire journey, not just that, that end point. So, and Blake, we've touched on this a little bit, but I think a lot of folks can comprehend like the VAR's role in a self-checkout, right? You sell it to them, you service it, you install it, you know, all those kind of things. What role are you playing with your merchants in what Frederick was talking about that early on uh, portion of it where they're doing the online shopping? How do you fit into that how do you complement it how do you drive it if you can paint a picture if you don't mind
2: well you know we we provide a you know a full solution for our retailers and so we're involved in really pretty much every piece of that and i think it's really important as a far to uh you know you got you got to pair up with the right people so partner with uh the right hardware software vendors Uh, You got to be able to identify needs, figure out whether, uh, you know, you have to bring a third party integrator in to some third parties. It's just listening to your customer, uh, helping coach them through the process and how do they meet, uh, you know, and adapt to these changes in customer preference. And I think the first step is is always, you know, just sitting down, trying to look at your customer base and. Figure out what do they want. Uh, we've even seen uh, some retailers go as far as creating little surveys, little things, little check boxes. Here's three things. What's important to you? Hand that out to their customer base to kind of uh, help start planning a roadmap of of where they want to go. You know, of course, you know some of these retailers don't have the you know the big box store budgets of having huge lines of coolers up front and you know having a you know 20 people dedicated to picking and delivering and curbside and trying to just really be their advisor and coach and how do we get to where you want to be in the budget that you have and being there to support, sell it, install it, support them uh, and be their partner for the long term on all these solutions.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, have you been able to do all this through third party? Right, we see some VARS who are adapting to become VAR ISV hybrids, where the customization is they have in-house developers or working with developers because the vendor, you know, won't make that adaptation in the software. What path have you gone down, if you don't mind asking, in terms of be able to play more on the front end than just a checkout uh, in this trend?
2: So we are a VAR ISV hybrid. We are one of those hybrids, and we kind of make that determination based on uh based on a case-by-case basis right there there's a time when in-house development makes sense uh you have to look at you know who else can use this for do they have the budget to pay for it so what can we do and then some times it's you know why let's not spend a lot of time resources and money reinventing the wheel there may be a you know a third party or a vendor out there who already does this very well. And that's the path of you know, least resistance to get this solution into our partners, you know, our customers' hands. And ultimately, you know, that's who we serve uh, is, is our clients. And so we, we usually make that decision based on the unique needs of each one of our retailers. We we can be a little nimble in that way because of our size, I guess, for better or worse.
0: Got it, thank you for that. And that's one trend that we're definitely seeing. We saw it in the uh, POS Channel KPI study that the RSP produced earlier in 2021, a lot more VAR shifting to that VAR-ISV hybrid model. And now inside the RSP membership, 20% of our members are an ISV or an uh, ISV VAR hybrid, right? So one out of every five, or before it was, you know, the RSP was all dealers, you know, and hardware vendors. You can really see that that metamorphosis happening at a macro level and then just walking around the retail now show floor, way more folks uh doing that. And again, add DCR to the list of of VARs who are moving forward that way. So, all right, last question, Frederick, just wanna be wide open here. What didn't we talk about today from the report that you feel is important for our audience of VARs and ISVs and VAR-ISV hybrids uh, to understand?
1: Yeah, I think uh, maybe just a couple of points. One, back to that uh, statement I made in the beginning that some of the retailers' most valued consumers are up for grabs, right, and the data It talks about female, affluent, family. You know, these are the digital, these these groups are driving the digital shift. And it's really important that we keep our our perspective and eye on that data. But ultimately, as I said already once, make sure you understand the voice of your consumer. Uh, Your shoppers is really fundamental. Uh, And make sure that they're aware of the journey that you're on to deliver better customer experience and how this fits into the overall experience that you are uh, looking to deliver for them. The, the final piece is you know, work with people like Blake and his team who really know on the ground what it takes to implement this successfully, right? The, I've seen clients who implement essentially the same technology and get vastly different results. Uh, some of that could be again back to the consumer base and how you rolled it out, how you communicated. In other cases, it's configurations in the system or how it's staffed and manned, how you're helping consumers through the early stages of learning the system and guiding them through certain interventions that are required in the system. But operationalizing it and getting that off the ground early, you know, is sometimes not a at all about the technology. Uh, it's, it's really about the expertise that uh, you know, bars have and have developed, so leverage that. That would be my, uh, my final piece of advice.
0: Great. And that's what I was going to ask you for advice also, like what actions do you think VARs should take? I'm going to ask Blake the same uh, question, but Frederick, it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, I love the phrase. There's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to a situation. That's what it sounds like you're saying to resellers. They've got to make sure they get really close to what's going on inside of their merchants so they can align them with the best technology and services. Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. I mean, definitely become an expert in the technology because some of it does involve uh, setup configurations and different tools that are that vendors like Toshiba provide that are uh, available. But beyond that, it's really best practices around how to implement it and how to get the consumers comfortable and confident in how they use the technology. And that's what's really going to drive success.
0: Great. A mentor of mine used to say, um, to guess is to gamble. Yeah right so don't be guessing my uh, hug the facts get a get a sure thing or a more sure thing in the business world all right blake final words from you what uh, recommendation would you have to a reseller based on everything that we've talked about what one or two actions do you recommend they take going forward
2: so of course self-service isn't going away it's absolutely here to stay 100 uh, percent. you know and here we're we're constantly researching new ways to use technology to provide solutions to real-world business needs. Again, listening to what your partners, your customers, your clients are actually asking for. Uh, you know, we, we uh, highly recommend choosing uh, the right hardware software partners. Uh, we're we're partnering with Toshiba. They're, they've done a fantastic job helping giving us information to take back to our clients, uh, pairing that with in-house development, and then knowing when to partner with the right third-party uh, solutions and when to integrate that to craft unique solutions for our customers and i think as a VAR and isv if you're not looking at what your customers customers want how they want to interact with their environment and what your customers need to provide that experience then you're missing out on a tremendous opportunity and someone's going to come take that opportunity from you.
0: Amen. Well said. Well, that does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Regular listeners know my personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Frederick and Blake for sharing their wisdom with us today. Gentlemen, that was great information, great statistics, great research, great real-world advice for VARs and ISVs. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at go RSPA. Org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody!